smells like football, baby. <laughs> What up, people? Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I'm your host, Kyle August. It is Thursday, March 3rd. If you listen to this on your podcast feed or checking us out on YouTube. On today's podcast, I'm rolling through my 2022 rankings, my top 10 at each position. So looking forward to breaking this down for you. Uh, Next week, another exciting show as always, but a little extra for you guys. Going to be doing a podcast dedicated to the things we hate about Dynasty Fantasy football. Now, obviously, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you know I'm an avid dynasty player. Uh, it's gotten to the point where when I first started this podcast, I don't know, six, seven years ago, uh, obviously very redraft heavy. It's gotten to the point where I'm I'm in much more dynasty leagues than redraft leagues. I love both forms of play, but I think there's things that we can look to tweak and improve and make better in the dynasty game. So what I'm looking for from you guys is hit me up on Twitter at Kyle Month 8. Or DM me if you're if you're in leagues with me. If you're in the Patreon, hit me up uh, outside the league chat. Whatever, hit me up with a DM. I want to know what you dislike, what you wish you could change about Dynasty Fantasy Football. We're gonna look to give you guys some answers to some of those uh, conundrums that you guys are in. There's some things that I've done over the recent years to help improve those Dynasty leagues because you can do a ton of different things. There's tons of different ways to play, but especially Dynasty this time of year. As we're sitting here in March, getting ready for rookie season, we're going to have a long summer ahead of us before uh, redraft season hits in August. So what can we do to make those leagues better? So what do you guys hate about Dynasty football? Obviously, we love fantasy football, and I love Dynasty, but it can always be better, right? So hit me up on Twitter, at KyleMonth8. Shoot me a DM if you're in any leagues with me or whatever. Just hit me up. Let me know your feedback. I'm going to have some guests on the show to talk about these things some of the things that we might want to change about the game as well, or things that we've done to improve uh, our experience in Dynasty League. So looking forward to that. But let's shift it into redraft mode here. Uh, I got my top 10 at each position. If you're watching on YouTube, you're going to be able to see these in the list, in a list form. So uh, it's always good to check out the YouTube channel uh, for this type of content. Also to in season when I'm doing waiver wire shows or waiver wire sniping, much better on the YouTube, in my opinion. I'm not a big YouTube guy myself most of the time, but I would highly recommend that if you guys are not already subscribed, turn those notifications on for YouTube. We're going to do a lot of fun stuff throughout the entire summer here, including live shows and things of that nature. But be sure to give us a uh, hit us up on YouTube. Dynasty Warzone, of course. All right, enough of that. Let's dive to it. Plenty to talk about today. So if you're, again, going to have these up on the screen here on the YouTube channel, Let's start with the quarterback position, of course. Uh, I got my top 10, at, and I have these broken into tiers, too, which I'll uh, I'll talk about as I go through them. So at the top of the board, for me, it's pretty easily Josh Allen. Far and away, the QB won last season. Back-to-back years with 4,400 passing yards. And when you add in the rushing, what is there else to say? Man, this dude's been a stud. He was actually a point-per-game worse last year in 2021 than compared to 2020. Uh, he had six rushing touchdowns compared to eight in the 2020 season, but the dude's just a total package when it comes to the quarterback play for fantasy. Uh, as we'll talk about with pretty much the rest of these guys, you almost have the either or, right? You have the gaudy passing numbers or the the rushing upside, but Josh Allen has it both. He's your QB one for 2022. Not much else to say there. 
I do have this number two on this list is Patrick Mahomes. I have him on a in a separate tier in my rankings. It's pretty much Josh Allen by himself, Pat, and then Patrick Mahomes. Uh, 38 and 37 touchdown passes the last two seasons. That's great. He's pretty much to me what Aaron Rodgers was throughout his prime as well. Super safe. He's he gonna finish as the QB one or QB two? Maybe not. Maybe not just because of the lack of rushing upside but he's extremely safe. He's always going to put up those big time numbers. I have very little things to nitpick about Patrick Mahomes' game. Uh, you know, he rushes enough. He gets that. He has two of the best weapons in the league. Uh, and he's he's paired with a fantastic offensive coordinator head coach. So Patrick Mahomes is the QB too. Uh, for me, just lacks that little bit of upside to be in that same tier as Josh Allen. But if you're ranking these guys, that's where I have them. Obviously, the quarterback position overall, if you're in one QB leagues, this this position as I went through and ranked them all like it's plenty deep there, there's plenty of options here you're rarely paying up for these uh for these key blue chip quarterbacks but in sewer flex leagues obviously a little bit different we'll talk about strategy as we get through the summer but number three and four in in my rankings are in a tier together it's pretty much the high upside rushing quarterbacks uh and for me at number three I actually put Lamar Jackson uh, I know he had a disappointing 2021 season but his pass attempts actually went up he was at 27 26 per game the last few years, but then jumped to 32 passes per game in 2021 while his rushing uh, has been real steady. 11 carries a game. You got to love the rushing production that we've see seen from Lamar Jackson. I just think he's extremely steady. We saw that big pop season where he hit the 36 passing touchdowns, big, big time passing numbers as far as the touchdowns went, but the rushing has always been extremely consistent and I don't expect anything different out of Lamar Jackson. In fact, you could argue that his weapons have even gotten a little bit better as long as Hollywood Brown doesn't run off to play video games. But if you had Hollywood Brown or Rashad Bateman for an entire season, obviously got Mark Andrews there as well. And it can't get any worse as far as the, the old man running back brigade they had last season. So I really like Lamar as my QB three, despite him being in a separate tier with him though, in that third tier is Kyler Murray as QB four. Uh, obviously can put up some big time numbers if he's running the ball at full strength, but we didn't necessarily see that last year. Um, his rushing dropped from 800 yards, 11 touch and 11 touchdowns to 423 yards and five touchdowns last season. So he kind of lost that edge a little bit. He, uh, only three of his 14 games that he have more than 45 rushing yards. So, um, that's gotta be a little bit disappointing, especially when you look at the gaudy numbers he put up in 2020, he had nine out of 16, uh, with at least that. That total. So again, three out of three out of his 14 games, 45 plus rushing yards compared to nine out of 16 the year before. So, uh, you know, I also question a little bit what Kyler's weapons will look like. Zach Ertz is a free agent, so a lot to still be determined there. Uh, you have you have uh, Hopkins working back from injury, but you also have some free agents. Uh, you have a free agent in uh, Christian Kirk and the running back still to be decided. And you have Kyler Murray throwing out uh, releases from his agents in all caps and just being all. Uh, a huge pain in the ass at this point for the Cardinals. So if he's paid and he's happy and they can bring back weapons to at least be even to last year, I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned about Kyler. Um, I just kind of like Lamar a little bit safer uh, as QB three. So Alan Mahomes, Jackson Murray, pretty simple five through seven are on a tier as well. Yeah. Justin Herbert had a big time season last year, second in pass attempts, just behind Tom Brady. Uh, one of two quarterbacks over 5,000 passing yards again with Tom Brady. And so Herbert, is looking good. You have a little bit of a question mark as to Mike Williams, if whether he's going to be back or not, but I obviously love what we've seen from the kid in his first two seasons. Number six on this list is Dak Prescott, career high, 37 passing touchdowns. Now don't get over lost in that just because 
He had 37 passing touchdowns, was still a career high, even if you take away the five he had in week 17 against the Eagles, who sat everybody. So a little bit skewed there if you're looking at his points per game, but um, still very solid. He's going to be a top 10 quarterback. I just think he lacks that upside just due to his lack of rushing. Um, but uh, this is another quarterback similar to Herbert that I'm keeping an eye on his situation with the weapons. Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson to a lesser extent, but also Dalton Schultz are free agents, and there's talk about them potentially moving on from Amari Cooper due to his cap hit. So got to keep an eye on the weapons for Dak Prescott as well, especially after seeing that that Dallas defense improved this last season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers at number seven, a lot up in the air. Hell, by the time you listen to this, he could be retired. Who knows? Um, but we did see his court, his touchdowns drop in 2021 as expected from 48 to 37. That's pretty standard. The same amount of attempts. So we knew the touchdown regression was coming, but he was still QB six in points per game last season. If he's in Green Bay and he's paired with Devontae Adams, I have no problem locking him in there as a top eight quarterback, uh, knowing what you're getting from him at this point. Um, but think he's fairly safe if his situation stays status quo. Eight through 10, wrap it up. This is a tier. While these guys are different, I have them as a tier as far as where I think they could let be as finishing position-wise. Eight, Jalen Hurts. Nine, Matthew Stafford. Ten, Joe Burrow. Hurts, you know what he is. You're looking for that rushing upside. 55 or more rushing yards and eight of his 15 starts. Ten rushing touchdowns. That's great. You don't need the passing work from him. Stafford and Burrow are very similar. Um, Stafford actually was uh, second in the league in passing touchdowns, but he was tied for first in interceptions with 17. That led to him only having seven of his 17 games with 20 or more points. So we love what Stafford did. He won won the Super Bowl. It was great year one in L.A., but really the fantasy numbers didn't really match up to his NFL success. So I, you know, we'll see what they do there as far as how the recovery for Robert Woods ends up and OBJ's injury situation. Could he? Could you argue he's with that Dak and Aaron Rodgers tier? You know, maybe. But as of right now, I'm going to keep him just a touch below, but still inside the top ten. And wrapping it up, the AFC darling Joe Burrow. He was QB 10 in points per game last year, so I pretty much have him about the same. He had 34 passing touchdowns, but similar to Stafford, seven of his 17 starts with 20-plus fantasy points. That's I would like to see that number just up just a little bit. Feasted on Baltimore a little bit as well. Want to see him be a little bit more steady. But you can argue he has the best weapons in the league. So um, And coming year two off that ACL uh, and year three of his career, I think – you know, sky's the limit for Burrow. So I could see me moving him up even a spot, maybe two, um, but I like him in this tier. So top 10 QBs, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert at five, Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, and then Hertz, Stafford, Burrow. That's my top 10 at the quarterback position. Let's move on to everybody's favorite position. We got the running backs up next, and I don't think there's any doubt really of who's at the top with it being Jonathan Taylor. Pretty consensus. Um, I do have Derrick Henry, though, as the RB2 and in the same tier. I think you could interchange these guys if you want. Um, obviously, JT, crazy end of the season, was a point and a half a game better than the RB2 and half PPR. Um, he was first in the league in attempts, but his receptions per game actually dropped just a bit. We didn't see that really become part of his game in Indy. Now, we're nitpicking here, right? The guy was absolutely a stud. His production on the ground was out of control. It was tied for the league league and uh, among the running backs and total touchdowns, but uh, you'd want to see those receptions a little bit to just lock and load him into that first RB one slot. So for me, Derrick Henry, who had just under 220 attempts, just under a thousand yards and 10 rushing touchdowns in half a season uh, puts him in that, in that same tier with Jonathan Taylor. He was our Derrick Henry was RB one in points per game 
And he only had, he was only off his career high in receptions by one in half the season. So if Derrick Henry comes out and he's a 40 catch guy, um, you could definitely make the argument for Derrick Henry at the top of the board. So uh, JT and Derrick Henry are definitely the top for me, the top two picks overall, the top two players among the position uh, and guys that if you have them, they're difference makers at the position. So that's why they're in a tier with uh, amongst themselves. So behind JT and Derrick Henry is another tier of three, which is going to be Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, and Najee Harris. Austin Eckler was RB2 last season, tied amongst running backs with 20 total touchdowns, 12 on the ground, eight through the air. He's actually had eight receiving touchdowns before, but the rushing touchdowns were crazy as he only had nine in his career entering uh, his fifth season. He was second in the league amongst running backs and receptions. And what we saw from him was despite being lifted at times uh, for a backup there, there wasn't anybody taking a uh, the goal line work, which is key, and the receptions were huge. I like Austin Eckler a ton. I think he can replicate closely his yardage total and involvement in the passing game. The touchdowns are always hard to replicate when you're up there at 20, but I think Eckler is your RB3 this year. Christian McCaffrey, we know the story with him. Injuries, injuries, injuries the last couple seasons. But in seven games with just two receptions, the dude was still putting up some solid numbers. He was RB5 in points per game if you're looking at PPR scoring. And I think you just have to take the risk with CMC. Uh, he's a difference maker. If he is out there, if you get 13 games of Christian McCaffrey, uh, you're feeling damn good about your playoff chances and potentially a championship chance if he's out there at the end of the year. So really like CMC. Honestly, uh, he is uh, one of the running backs I would still take in the first round, despite me trying to steer clear of that position a little bit more than usual, which again, we'll talk about strategy here in further on in the offseason. But wrapping up that tier at number five is Najee Harris. Love what we saw from the kid in his rookie season. Heading into his sophomore campaign, he's coming off a year in which he was second in attempts amongst running backs. First in receptions among running backs was 74. He had 1,600 total yards and 10 touchdowns. Really solid touchdown number. Uh, I think that has nowhere to go but up, honestly, when you look at what he was seeing as far as opportunities and touches. Uh, And we've seen Pittsburgh lean on the running back before. The quarterback play... Really can't get too much worse. I expect them to address the position, whether through the draft or free agency there in Pittsburgh. And I think Najee Harris is due for a huge season. I love his involvement in the passing game right out of the gate, uh, in addition to his heavy workload on the ground. So Najee Harris, RB5. Uh, Six through nine of my rankings are another tier. Uh, These are kind of the old faithful for the most part here. We have Joe Mixon at six, Alan Kamara at seven, DeAndre Swift, definitely the youngest of this group, at eight, and then Dalvin Cook at nine. Joe Mixon coming off a career season, third in attempts, just under 300, 1,200 yards on the ground, 13 rushing touchdowns is awesome. The 42 receptions is fine. Nothing to, to not a huge negative on him. But when you look at Eckler uh, with his 70 plus receptions, Christian McCaffrey with his obvious upside, he can pretty much fall out of bed into 80, 90 catches. And Najee Harris, which was right there as well with 70 plus catches, Mixon's just not going to get there. So while I love the workload with Joe Mixon, when you compare him to the running back ranked one spot ahead of him, you know, the attempts, they were close. The receptions, they're not. Um, So while I like Mixon a lot, and he's my running back six, he's borderline at first round pick, in my opinion, because of some of these other wide receivers that I really, really like. But Mixon's still, you know, in line for a really good year. I love the workload that I saw from him, especially on the run game. And he's going to be in an offense that should be putting up some points. So you got to love the possibility of that 13 touchdowns staying close. Uh, 
With Kamara, tons of offseason up in the air with him. But what you really have to look at, let's take that aside. Uh, he had 53 more rush attempts in two less games when you compare 2021, or sorry, 2020 to 2021. He had more rush attempts, but uh, the rush TDs fell uh, a, a ton, went from went down from uh, 12. And it was his first time, sorry, 12 less rushing touchdowns to clarify when you compare 2020 to 2021. And the receptions for the first time in his career were under 80. He only had 47. The lack of Drew Brees definitely hurts Alvin Kamara in addition to him potentially getting suspended, uh, just determining or, you know, to be determined as far as the offseason news goes. So if he's out there, if he's only missing a couple games with suspension, um, you know, I, I still like him as a top 10 guy, but he's not a first rounder in my opinion. Uh, I think he's an early second round pick. Uh, I'd rather take my pick at the receiver spot, you know, in the late first and then see if Kamara can slide back to me later. But, um, you know, when he's out there, I still think he's an RB1, but he's just not a top five guy for me anymore without Drew Brees. Number eight is DeAndre Swift. I mentioned him already. He was running back 10 in points per game, just a little bit of time. RB10 in points per game, that included him getting eight or less carries in five of his 13 games. Again, eight or less carries in five of his 13 games. That's that's crazy, right? But he was third, he was third in receptions per game. So I know he missed a little bit of time. So if you got to extrapolate that out just a bit, third in receptions per game. He was an he had an 81 reception pace last season. I loved his involvement in the passing game. Got to stay on the field, obviously. Splitting with Jamal Williams a bit, but that's not a huge concern for me, especially when you look at how much he was being used as a receiver. That makes him a top 10 guy for me, even in a low-powered offense with the Detroit Lions. So like DeAndre Swift quite a bit. Keep an eye on how, what they add at the receiver position, but I still think he's 70 receptions, um, which, again, last year was pretty much good for tops, of, tops in the league. Number nine, Dalvin Cook. Despite the injuries, it is what it is. It's the running back position. Really, his drop last year was just not seeing those touchdown numbers. 13 touchdowns in 2019, 16 touchdowns uh, in 2020, dropped all the way down to six in 2021. Reception totals also are trending in the wrong direction for Dalvin Cook. So I think he's just kind of in that world with Kamara at this point with how these two players are used. Not a ton in the passing game you know, to write home about. Not enough to be an extreme difference maker. Uh, and while they have shown touchdown upside over their career, uh, I still think that keeps them inside this top 10, but, uh, maybe not as far in a way above, you know, the 10 through 12, like we would usually see. So I still like Dalvin cook as a top 10 running back next season, but just a little bit lower on him than, than seasons past and rounding out the top 10. I was really debating on this spot. There's a few guys in contention for this. It really, for me, came down to Josh Jacobs and this man who I put on the list at number 10 is Nick Chubb. Uh, clearly the competition in the backfield is one thing. The offense struggled last year, but he was still really solid. He's never had less than eight rushing, uh, than eight rushing touchdowns in his four NFL seasons. We know that he's not overly involved in the passing game. Either is Dalvin cook or Joe Mixon or what the version of what we saw last year from Alan Kamara. So I think when you look at Nick Chubb, obviously that's a, that's a kind of a, a negative in his game is that he's not involved in the passing game, but I think he's going to see so much work on the ground and consistent goal line looks that I think you can count on Nick Chubb as a back end of the top 10 running back. He's a, he's a round two running back for me, but I feel pretty good about getting a workhorse on my roster if I drafted Nick Chubb in 2022. All right, let's keep this thing moving. We're going to the wide receivers, and I don't think there's much debate at the top. 
uh, with it being Cooper Cup. I do have a tier of two with Cooper Cup and DeAndre uh, uh, Devontae Adams, sorry, as one uh, A and one B. But I think Cooper Cup is the the wide receiver one to own. It was an amazing season. Obviously, he was four points per game better than the next wide receiver. He led the league in everything, right? I mean, we don't really have to uh, dive into all the stats, but he was uh, he had two more touchdowns than anybody else to see uh, in the league. He had over 300 more yards than second place. It was an absolute stud season with with his with Matthew Stafford in year one. Obviously, took home the Super Bowl MVP as well. So when you look at Cooper Cup, he's a first round pick. He's wide receiver one. It's pretty safe. Uh, Adams King money averaged 10 targets a game over the last four seasons. He did it once again last year, 10, uh, plus touchdowns in five of his last six. If he's with Aaron Rodgers in green Bay, lock and loaded top two, top two wide receiver and a first round pick for me in redraft leagues in 2022, number three, kind of by himself, just cause I feel this guy is kind of is super safe. His targets have been great fourth in the league last year. He was second in yards and has over 3,000 yards his first two years, and that's Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Pretty easy for me to put him there. I just think he's a touch behind Cup and Adams, uh, but above this next tier just because of how much he's been used. Uh, he had some huge plays his rookie year and backed it up with an amazing season in 2021. And with Kirk Cousins still being there, I think he'll continue to get peppered, even with the change uh, in head coach and offensive coordinator there in Minnesota. Four through six is in a tier for me. Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, and Stefan Diggs. Tyree Kill was seventh in the league with 159 targets. Love to see the targets for Tyree Kill. Um, over 110 catches, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns. The dude is a game breaker when he's out there and he's paired with the best, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So Tyree Kill at four. Jamar Chase heading in, into his sophomore season. I want to see those targets go up a bit, but he's such a playmaker. I had to put him in my top five. He only had 128 targets, which was 17th among wide receivers. The dude had some huge games, won people championships. He had two games over 200 yards. He only had three games over 100 that weren't those those other two. So it was just crazy of his five total games over 100 yards. Two of them were 200 plus. The dude's upside is immense. 13 touchdowns on the year. Really, there's not a lot of negatives with Jamar Chase. Um, you know what? He's a little boom bust. He's not the consistent guy that you're going to get from Cobb or Adams or Jefferson. But his explosiveness has to put him in the top five. Six is Stefan Diggs, still in that same tier with Tyreek and Jamar. Stefan Diggs, really, it's just targets, right? 160 targets. You're talking about 40 more, uh, 35, 40 more targets than Jamar Chase. But two years in a row with Josh Allen in Buffalo, 160 plus targets. Gotta love it. Um, saw a little bit of a dip as far as the reception and yardage totals last year, but a career high 10 touchdowns. I expect him to continue to put up big time elite numbers. Uh, so I think he's deserving as the wide receiver six. Seven through nine is a tier as well. These are guys that I think have really good upside. I'm a little bit nervous, though, about their targets, to just be honest. These guys are about 120, 130 targets tops. Um, and actually, the lowest guy as far as opportunity there is A.J. Brown. He's at number seven. Never had more than 106 targets, but he's just super explosive. I think if he took that step and saw just a little bit more work, it would be crazy. He had 19 touchdowns his first two seasons, dipped to five in 2021 due to the injuries. I just think this guy is extremely talented. I'm going to bank on talent there a little bit with AJ Brown. DK Medcalf is at eight. Uh, again, under 130 targets, barely in 2021, but not those uber high numbers, that 140, 150, 160 number we're looking for. Um, he had the 12 touchdowns, which overcame his sub 1,000 yards receiving, but I just expect big things out of him and those touchdown numbers I don't think are going to go away 
as long as Russell Wilson is still in, is still in Seattle. And number nine is Debo Samuel. I don't know if I'm a Debo hater or what. I when you look at his reception, 77 receptions, 1400 yards. That number seems extremely high to me. It's going to be tough to replicate that, especially with the unknowns at quarterback. Is Trey Lance going to translate to the same fantasy production that we saw with Jimmy G and Debo Samuel paired together? Also, when you look at the rushing note numbers, uh, 365 rushing yards, that's great. If they still use them on the ground, eight rushing touchdowns. It's going to be real hard for a receiver to turn around eight rushing touchdowns. It's hard for running backs to do that. So if they still have some consistency, if they're a little bit more healthy at the running back position, does Debo get as much work in the run game? And if that falls off, you know, can he lean on those uber efficient uh, numbers as far as yards per reception? When you look at some of the other guys that were in his range in receptions, those guys are just outside the top 12 receivers. So for me, Debo at nine factors in his upside, but also the downside of what you could potentially see from him with a few unknowns heading into 2021. So while I like him as a top 10 still, um, don't be surprised if he drops even a few more slots as we get some clarity through free agency. Uh, and rounding out uh, the top 10, he's not in the tier with uh, A.J. Brown, Medcalf, or Samuel, but I'm going to plug in C.D. Lamb right here. Um he had just nine more targets compared to his rookie year. That's not good enough. Um, less than 200 yards more uh, in year two. That's not good enough. The touchdown numbers were not good enough. Um, he didn't finish the season particularly strong either. Uh, just one game out of the final seven with 70, uh, with more than 70 receiving yards. But I still think he paired with Dak Prescott and in an offense that might feature him even more. If you look at some of the pending free agents I talked about earlier with Dak, I think Lamb in year three has a ton of upside. And while he's in a tier with some of the guys that just missed the top 10, when you look at, you know, Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, uh, maybe even DJ Moore, if you want to throw him in there, like there's some guys there. I just, I think Lamb is at the top of that tier, but uh, there is a little bit of distance between nine and 10 in my ranking. So call me a homer if you want, but I'm going to stick CD Lamb there at number 10, like his upside heading into year three. All right, wrapping this thing up, we got the tight ends. Uh, and this is a top heavy up position as you can get going to talk about strategy throughout the off season. Uh, and for me, I'll just give you a little preview. It's get them early or bail the hell out. Um, there for me, there are five tight ends that I really like two additional tight ends. I'd be okay with. And then after that, welcome to Cliffville because you don't want to be anywhere near this position. Now, some things still to shake out in free agency. I'll touch on that as we get towards the back half of the top 10. But let's start with number one. For me, he's in a tier of his own just because I think he's the safest of my my uh, my blue chip top fives. And this is the ultimate guy to have on at the position. It's still Travis Kelsey. 90 catches, 1,100 yards each of the last four seasons easy. Nine plus touchdowns, four of his last five. So he's done it all. He's paired with Patrick Mahomes. What are you going to do? He's not slowing down. We saw him in the playoffs, still putting up big numbers. I'm still riding with Travis Kelsey as my tight end one. Uh, and again, by himself. Now, two through five is where I think there's some debate, but I think as far as the order of these guys, you could debate, but who's here, I think is pretty solidified. I could be by uh, a little bit alone on this island, but I actually have Kyle Pitts at the top of this list. I'm going to shoot for a little bit more upside here and a little bit more of the unknown. What we saw from Kyle Pitts in his rookie season were some really solid numbers as far as being involved in the offense. Uh, he was fifth amongst tight ends with 110 targets, seventh amongst tight ends with 68 receptions, third in yards with just over a thousand, but he had just one touchdown. I think whether the Falcons can convince Calvin really to come back and play there, or they add another weapon to that outside that can do nothing but help 
Kyle Pitts and this offense, which sputtered at best. Um, I think Pitts is definitely in line for more touchdowns in his sophomore season when we saw glimpses of what this kid can do. He's the next big thing. There's no doubt about it. And I think there's some upside there uh, with Kyle Pitts that while the other ones have done it before, um, are they going to are they going to regain that prior glory? Or are we looking at Kyle Pitts, the next big thing and potentially the tight end one going forward? Number three for me is the 2021 darling Mark Andrews exploded last season. 43 more receptions than his previous career high. Over 500 more yards than his previous career high receiving. Amazing numbers. Can't can't doubt that at all. Really, the only question mark for me is like, why wasn't he leaned on more by Lamar? With Lamar, still solid numbers. Points per game in PPR, just under 15. Definitely a top five tight end. Needs to be prioritized. Uh, but in 2021, 15 points per game with Lamar Jackson. Just under 23 points per game in his six games without Lamar. What's up with that, right? So a lot more volume without Lamar Jackson. And even though Lamar's passing totals his, by himself were, were up, uh, and obviously a ton of yardage with the backup quarterbacks as well there in Baltimore. So still like Mark Andrews a ton, nothing wrong with him. Got him at number three. Um, I think his upside is, is what he did last year, right? Really solid receiving numbers. And the touchdowns have always been there. Four and five on this list, still guys that I love, despite them letting people down a little bit last season. Darren Waller, uh, dealing with the injuries, his overall year numbers don't look great, but he was second in targets per game, fifth in yards per game at the tight end position. He just didn't have those touchdown numbers to help prop up the fact that he missed some games, just two touchdowns on the year. Now, with Josh McDaniels in town, sounds like Derek Carr is still going to be there. Continuity between him and Carr. See if they add any weapons to that outside, but I still like Darren Waller's upside quite a bit. Um, and value-wise, he might be the best guy here. Uh, what you're going to have to pay for Mark Andrews or the hype train Kyle Pitts or, or Travis Kelsey uh, is going to be a little bit pricey. Darren Waller in the third round, to me, that's perfectly fine. Let's let's get it. You locked and loaded at your tight end position. Number five is George Kittle, the last remaining guy. Could have guessed it. Fourth in yards per game last season. Fourth in points per game. When he was out there, he was putting the numbers up. Really, the biggest thing for me uh, with Kittle compared to the other four guys I already mentioned, um, despite him being in the same tier as most of them, is really the quarterback position. What happens there in San Francisco with Trey Lance? Does he lean on George Kittle like we've seen over the years? You obviously have Kittle missing a few games as well every season. That's pretty much factored in here. But George Kittle, tight end five for me heading into 2022. Here's where it gets gross. Uh, if I could have an empty tier in between five and six, I would, to be honest. So if we're jumping all two tiers down to six, uh, six and seven are TJ Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard. Hawkinson, fifth in targets per game. It was actually just slightly ahead of George Kittle, but he only had 583 yards in 12 games. That's not good enough. Uh, you hope to see this offense move the ball a little bit better. Hopefully that'll include Hawkinson putting up some nice numbers, but just didn't see enough from him to put him in the tier with those other blue chip guys, which I was hoping would happen. If When we were talking this time last season or draft season heading into the 2021 year, I thought Hawkinson was a, a huge breakout candidate, a guy that I really expected to jump into that Waller-Kittle tier. We just didn't see that happen. And I think while he is only one spot behind George Kittle in ranking, I think he is significantly behind him as far as where you can draft him uh, on when draft day rolls around. I think Kittle, you could still make the arguments around three round four pick. Hawkinson, I'm not taking him any, any sooner than round five. And even that would probably be on the richer side. Round six would be closer to where I would take Hawkinson, but he's risky. Dallas Goddard, I mentioned being at number seven, he had two more targets per game without Zacherts, 
but even those targets per game without Ertz and uh, would have only been good for 11th among tight ends, low passing volume offense, um, 60 plus yards in six of the 10 without Zach Ertz. That's great. Um, you know, I, I think this guy has a lot of upside as far as talent, but I'm just a little bit concerned as far as what the volume is going to look like. If this was an offense with a different quarterback, he's probably above Hawkinson. He's probably knocking on the door of that that tier above him. But for now, he's tight end seven. And the last resort, the point of no return. I think I even compared uh, where Dallas Goddard is in the rankings uh, on a previous show to back to the future three, right? The point of no return. They're shoving that uh, DeLorean down the tracks with a train. And if they don't have it up by the speed uh, that they need at a certain point, it ain't going to work out. That's the same thing. We're talking Dallas Goddard, your last resort right now at the tight end position. Eight through 10. This is going to be a long tier expend, extending way past 10. But for the purpose of this show, eight through 10, Mike Gasicki, Hunter Henry, Dawson Knox. Gasicki was fifth in receptions with 73. Lots of targets for him last year. But he disappeared at times. He had multiple zeros out there. He had a game with seven targets and zero receptions. Uh, the kid just isn't on the field at all times. We're going to see a change there as far as the offensive philosophy in Miami. But if he remains the number two option in an offense, I still think you got to take the shot on him at uh, eighth amongst the tight ends. But like I mentioned, if I could shove an empty tier between George Kittle and TJ Hawkinson at five and six, I'd, I'd consider one or two empty tiers between seven and eight right now. I do not love drafting any of these guys with, at any point in the draft unless it's the last few rounds. So you're not going to get Mike Kosicki probably in many leagues because he's going to be the next guy off the board. Hunter Henry at nine from week 12 on, he had five plus targets in five of six games. It was definitely there led to some fancy production. Johnny Smith was pretty much phased out. Now was that due to injury with Johnny? I know he did miss some games in there, but some games he just wasn't given any opportunity for me. Hunter Henry is just a guy that, uh, you know, having him here at nine is just, he's the least smelliest turd, I guess. I, I don't really know how else to describe it. Besides I wouldn't be in love with adding him there. If I could get him as the 14th tight end off the board at the end of my draft to just see how the season starts, that's fine. Not super excited about that. Same thing with Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox, nine receiving touchdowns. That's great. But he had 40, he had less than 40 yards in nine of his 15 games. That's not usable, right? You're you're literally talking touchdown or bust. Um, then and and there's other guys that you can have similar success with at less of a price tag. So for me, Gasicki, Henry, Knox, I'm, I'm in streamingville. If I'm, if those guys are staring me down in round seven, eight, nine, 10, doesn't matter. I don't want these guys. Now there's a few guys that aren't on this list. As we wrap up the show here, there's a few guys on this that didn't make this list that could potentially jump in. The two obvious answer me are Rob Gronkowski. If he lands somewhere with a quarterback, if he decides to play, we still saw him put up really good numbers last year. That was great. The other is not necessarily a player, but a situation. And that's the Dallas tight end. Dalton Schultz is a free agent. If it's Blake Jarwin, I, I could make the case for him making the list here. What we saw from Schultz, well, how we've seen Prescott use the position, there's definitely fantasy value there. So that could be another situation. There's a lot of free agents um, that I think could fill out 8 through 12 in my ranking when you look at uh, some of the situations with uh, you know, in Minnesota, if they don't add anybody, you know, you might have Irv Smith on the move. Gasicki is actually a free agent as well. So I kind of talked about him, presuming, uh, assuming he's going to be back in Miami, but that could be up in the air. Evan, Evan Ingram, I know he's been disappointed, but he could re-enter the conversation uh, if he has a good landing spot. 
And I mentioned Dalton Schultz as well as a pending free agent. So I think there's a lot up in the air at the back end of this position. But as of right now, it's really one, one through five feeling good, six and seven if you really missed out. And then beyond that, best of luck to you. So there you have it. There's my top tens at each position. Appreciate you guys checking out today's show. Hopefully you enjoyed it. It gives an early look at my rankings for 2022. Again, next week, going to be talking about things we hate about Dynasty Fantasy Football. Let me know what issues you have with the game, how we could make it better. There's things out there. As much as we love the game, it can always get better. What are things that you have noticed that grind your gears, right? What are some things you've noticed that maybe you already solved for? Hit me up on Twitter at KyleMonth8. Shoot me a DM uh, if you're in any leagues with me or if you're in the Patreon chat, shoot me a DM. I wanted these things to be on the show. Going to have some other DWZ guys on the show as well to talk these things out and just hammer it out. This is a good time of year to do it. Um, You can take some takeaways from next week's show. Go back to your commissioner. Throw some things out there. Mix it up a bit um, because we we shouldn't just be stagnant with it, right? Let's uh, let's improve this game we love. So appreciate you guys checking out today's show. Five-star review if you like what you hear. Make sure you stay subscribed all off-season. I'll be back next week with the things we hate about Dynasty. But until then, I'll catch you guys later. I'll see you.